The Blunt Post with Vic. Good morning and welcome to The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a program that covers national breaking and headline news, offers analysis and commentary, and I interview members of Congress and other high-profile public figures. Today, after the headlines and Let's Get Blunt, I interview West Hollywood's beloved mayor, Lindsay Horvath. So stay tuned. G7 nations back global minimum corporate tax of at least 15%. The group of seven wealthy democracies agreed Saturday to support a global minimum corporate tax of at least 15%, in order to deter multinational companies from avoiding taxes by stashing profits in low-rate countries. G7 finance ministers meeting in London also endorsed proposals to make the world's biggest companies, including US-based tech giants, pay taxes in countries where they have lots of sales but no physical headquarters. A federal judge overturned California's three-decade-old ban on assault weapons Friday, ruling that it violates the constitutional right to bear arms. U.S. District Judge Roger Benitez of San Diego ruled that the state's definition of illegal military-style rifles unlawfully deprives law-abiding Californians of weapons commonly allowed in most other states and by the U.S. Supreme Court. It issued a permanent injunction against enforcement of the law but stated for 30 days to give Attorney General Rob Bonta time to appeal. Governor Gavin Newsom condemned the decision, calling it a direct threat to public safety and the lives of innocent Californians, period. In yet another aggressive move, Azerbaijani forces have violated the sovereign territory of the Republic of Armenia, trying to ensure positional advance in the border areas of Vartanis and Sisyon. French President Emmanuel Macron has urged Azerbaijan to withdraw its troops, saying the Azerbaijani troops must leave Armenia's sovereign territory. In September of last year, Azerbaijan, with help from Turkey, orchestrated a genocidal attack and ethnic cleansing against Armenians of Artsakh, also known as Nagorno-Karabakh. Turkey, a NATO nation, hired ISIS, Syrian, Libyan, and Pakistani mercenaries and paid them $2,000 a month to kill Armenians and a bonus $100 for every Armenian beheaded. Artsakh, where 95% of its majority ethnic Armenians, declared its independence from the USSR in 1991. On Wednesday, the California Department of Public Health released the most recent statistics on COVID-19 and updates on the state's pandemic response. California fully reopens the economy on June 15th. California has 3,685,916 confirmed cases to date. The seven-day positivity rate is 0.8%. There have been 62,044 COVID-19 deaths since the start of the pandemic. As of June 2nd, providers have reported administering a total of 37,674,057 vaccine doses statewide. The CDC reports that 46,347,930 doses have been delivered to entities within the state. Let's get blunt. Let's get blunt. Let's get blunt. Well, today's 
Let's Get Blunt will be a little extensive. Uh, so I just returned from Armenia. I was there for 11 days, and my trip was uh, produced, or is going to be produced, as a documentary feature film. I went there because I've been very active in advocacy for the Armenians of Artsakh, and as well as Armenia itself, after the genocidal attack and ethnic cleansing that Azerbaijan and Turkey orchestrated last year on September 27th and its aftermath, which still continues. Azerbaijan uh, is holding over 100 Armenian, what they call prisoners of war. I think um, they are at hostages at this point and refuses to release them, regardless of what the United Nations and Council of Europe and EU tell them. So today's Let's Get Blunt is sort of a little bit about the power play that's happening in the South Caucasus and all the, the countries and the personalities that are involved and this tiny little nation of Armenia caught in between um, sort of a power grab by uh, Russia, for example, who sort of didn't come to Armenia's aid um, at the time when this attack happened, saying that uh, the the treaty that they have with Armenia only applies to Armenia proper and not Artsakh. Artsakh, also known as Nagorno-Karabakh, uh, declared, declared it in, in its independence from the USSR in 91. Um, but because Stalin put it under Soviet-Azerbaijan rule in uh, 1918, it's considered a part of Azerbaijan, even though people are pretty much all Armenian and have you know, asked for their uh, autonomy and for their right to their own self-determination. But of course, that doesn't please uh, Azerbaijan, who slaughters them. And so since September 27th of last year, uh, just under 5,000 Armenians have been killed by uh, Azerbaijani and Turkish um, military, as well as ISIS, uh, Syrian, Libyan, and uh, Pakistani jihadist mercenaries. So what Russia did is they didn't do anything until the 11th hour, and then they came in and said, we're going to do a ceasefire, and we're going to bring in about five to 10,000 of our troops to the South Caucasus to sort of make sure that uh, there are no more attacks. And this, of course, helped Russia, and they finally got to be uh, in the South Caucasus where they didn't have any presence, and also on the border of Iran. And so this is sort of Russia's sort of neighborhood, and they want to have control over everything. So on one hand, uh, that happened, and uh, since uh, United States or even European Union didn't really come to the aid of Artsakh Armenians or Armenia, uh, Russia was sort of like the only option. So Armenia had to take that option. Uh, but of course, uh, Azerbaijan continues to uh, provoke. They are now coming to Armenia proper, and yet... Even though now Azerbaijan has entered Armenia proper and they're just settled there for about, about a thousand uh, troops, uh, Russia is still not doing anything about it, even though they have a treaty with Armenia. Who knows what's really going on behind the scenes, but uh, it just goes to the whole narrative and the, so much of what we've known about Russia. And I've, for the most part, I've not really spoken about Russia's role in sort of stirring the pot uh, in different parts of the world, including the U.S., um, from the 2016 elections uh, on. 
because so much of it, there's really no way of verifying it. No one's going to give you that information. But this one is pretty clear that that's what's going on. Russia is also sort of playing all sides, playing with Azerbaijan because uh, they want Azerbaijani oil. They're playing with um, Turkey because um, Turkey is um, a huge market for Russian goods. Armenia doesn't have any natural resources, so it sort of doesn't have a lot of leverage there. The situation, um, it's really terrible, and it's so unfair. European Union is, uh, many of its countries are highly invested in the pipeline that takes oil from the Caspian Sea to Western Europe, um, the biggest investor being uh, British Petroleum, BP. Uh, so the Brits are sort of playing three monkeys of, like, we haven't seen anything, we can't you know, hear anything, we're not going to say anything. Uh, but other European nations are also invested in this pipeline, which costs about $45 billion, which goes through, from Azerbaijan, it goes through a couple of countries and then to Turkey. So they don't want to offend uh, Turkey and Azerbaijan, not to sort of uh, damage their, um, you know, their interests, if you will. So they're sort of keeping quiet. And these are the same nations and leaders who talk about human rights and social justice and uh, equality and all of that. But yet, uh, for their own uh, self-interest, they are sort of keeping quiet. Uh, of course, with the exception of uh, President Macron of France, who has been very supportive and recently uh, came out and said that Azerbaijan needs to leave Armenia proper, uh, and he's been very vocal about it, but he's definitely an exception. Another thing that I need to be blunt about is this. So I always will talk about um, and criticize when needed anyone. It doesn't matter uh, whether I am, a, you know, I'm a man or I'm a woman or, you know, I'm trans or gender nonconforming or if I'm American or non-American. Bottom line is that uh, we need to be able to criticize everyone, including our own people. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm sort of, I'm progressive and I vote more democratic, although I, there are a few Republicans that I respect. But I have to say, um, right now, I don't know what to think about President Biden and Secretary Anthony Blinken when it comes to this matter. So in April, um, President Biden became the first U.S. president to formally recognize the Armenian genocide. Um, president Reagan had mentioned it in 81, but backtracked uh, after he got some pressure from Turkey. So that was great that uh, after 106 years, the Armenian genocide was finally recognized by a U.S. president. But what he did a week after was like a, a huge slap. President Biden and Secretary Blinken decided to lift Section 907. Section 907 was a law that was enacted in the early 90s that cut off military aid, U.S. military aid, to Azerbaijan. And so... This was something really important that was happening, but after lifting it, uh, what the U.S. is essentially doing is funding Azerbaijan's terrorism, because make no bones about it, that's what they're doing. They're terrorizing uh, Armenia and Artsakh uh, and anyone else who uh, is they deem as a threat, including some of their own people. They're throwing human rights activists and journalists in jail for, you know, for virtually nothing. So why? Why are we, uh, why is um, my tax money going to uh, fund Azerbaijan's military? 
And we all know what they did last year, and they continue to do. And yet, President Biden and Secretary Blinken have, for some reason, thought this was a good idea to uh, lift six, Section 907. Now, I understand, you know, the oil and uh, other regional interests were also sort of helping by keeping uh, Azerbaijan happy. Uh, we and a couple of our allies are able to be in Azerbaijan and spy on Iran in case there's a conflict and, and be able to strike Iran in, in case there's a war and this and that. So if, if the end game is oil and the military industrial complex, then why talk about uh, being a human rights advocate? Why talk about uh, doing the right thing when this was a terrible thing? And, you know, at this point, honestly, I recognizing the Armenian genocide by President Biden has become sort of like a second thought because he's now funded and we are funding, our nation is funding what Turkey and Azerbaijan would want to be a second Armenian genocide. Uh, because they have genocidal intent. They're constantly threatening Armenians. And uh, some of their highest government officials are talking about killing all Armenians and this and that, even on social media, which is really uh, disgusting. So I just wanted to be blunt about that. It's easy to, crit easy to criticize people we don't normally agree with. But I feel like I need to criticize the president that I voted for. And I did vote for President Biden um, and say, this is not right. Funding a nation's military that's uh, orchestrating massacres uh, is not right. And they've got to be called out on that. So there it is. I'm being blunt. I'm being blunt on uh, my president, you know, that I've admired and I admire. And I think he's done a great job in his first, um, you know, five, six months. But I'm also not going to stay quiet about something that I disagree with. Um, and Secretary Blinken, I think I'm even more disappointed in, but uh, more shall be revealed. So, but let's keep getting blunt. Let's get blunt. The Blunt Post with Vic. West Hollywood Mayor Lindsay Horvath has a long history of civic and social justice advocacy. She's widely known for her work advancing the rights of women and LGBTQ plus people, as well as creating age-friendly and sustainable communities. Mayor Horvath was elected to the West Hollywood City Council in 2015 and previously served from 2009 to 2011. Horvath serves as a leader of West Hollywood and a regional leader in a number of roles, including president of the California Contract Cities Association, board member for Cal Cities, which is formerly the League of California Cities, board member for the National League of Cities, immediate past president of Women in Municipal Government for the National League of Cities, an executive committee member and legislative and regulatory chair for Clean Power Alliance of Southern California. Good morning, Mayor Horvath. Thank you for being on The Blunt Post with Vic today. How are you this morning? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? I am great, especially speaking with you and finding out uh, the latest developments and all the exciting stuff going on in West Hollywood and your life and your career. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Yeah. So, you know, let's get right into it. Um, you know, as we are sort of transitioning out of, I don't want to say post-COVID, but transitioning out of COVID and all that's happened in, you know, throughout the country and the world and uh, especially West Hollywood. What do you, what's the current, current state of West Hollywood uh, from your perspective? 
Well, um, we've faced unimaginable challenges uh, past year, and, uh, and we faced unprecedented times through um, uh, the announcement uh, of the shutdowns and how that impacted not only our local economy, but certainly uh, public safety and health, how we um, build community together, how we keep people housed and fed during uh, as critical a time as that. And so um, we really came together as a community to take care of one another. And um, I, I think uh, West Hollywood, uh, it was reported in the LA Times, fared better than most. Um, and we also are uh, quite close if we haven't already hit uh, more than 70% of our population being vaccinated. So uh, we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, we hope, but we know that we're not quite there yet. And so getting businesses back up and running, getting people back to work and jobs that allow them to take care of themselves and their families, um, making sure that people uh, don't lose their housing and fall into homelessness as we continue to face a homelessness crisis throughout the region. Um, these are all issues that we're tackling as a council uh, that we're certainly concerned about um, in our community and, and in we're engaging in dialogue and discussion in our community on these areas. You mentioned homelessness, and it's been sort of a, you know, it's been a great challenge for the entire state, and especially West Hollywood and, and the greater LA area. Uh, what are some of the other pressing challenges facing West Hollywood right now? Sure. Um, well, as I said, I think uh, our economic recovery is essential. Our uh, budget and our reserves definitely took a hit during this time, but that's what they're there for, to help people when we face difficult times. And so um, we're hoping that uh, we get our economy back up and going, that we are able to welcome back people back into the city. As you know, um, the number one source of revenue for our city is our transit and occupancy tax with our hotels. And so we um, want to see people coming back to West Hollywood, certainly traveling safely and uh, protecting themselves, but also with the ability to enjoy themselves. And I think West Hollywood is a place unlike any other that people can come and uh, be who they are to celebrate. This is Pride Month and, uh, and also to, um, you know, just escape what has been a very difficult time for everyone. So we hope that, uh, our economy will come back in that way. We also hope that um, people will be getting back into jobs uh, quite quickly, um, that we uh, we want to continue building out our transportation um, infrastructure, uh, working with Metro on the Crenshaw Northern Extension, um, but also making sure people have trans transportation access on, for those daily trips, be it to doctors or grocery, be it to um, some of our nightlife destinations with the pickup. Um, you know, we, we want to get people uh, back up and going, um, but we certainly know that we're not just recovering from COVID, but also what was broken before COVID. And, um, you know, making sure that we are uh, uplifting those who are most at risk and most vulnerable, um, uh, being intentional in seeing what typically goes unseen in community, I think is also important. And so um, I think, uh, especially with the uh, election of a couple new council members in the city, uh, we are looking at things a bit differently. And, uh, and so I, I'm 
eager to see all that we'll be able to accomplish when we work together, when we partner uh, in community and we listen to people uh, in our community um, on how we can best uh, bring about solutions to the problems that we're facing. Wow. Well said. Thank you. You know, um, as you were speaking, I was thinking about what you did along with council member Seppi Shine, a friend of mine, and how significant that was, and which is that you co-sponsored a bill that recognized the independent Republic of Artsakh, also known as Nagorno-Karabakh. And uh, I just came back from Armenia, and I and I saw the devastation of of that attack last year, and um, what it means for people of a region to be able to determine their own self, or have their own self determination and uh, autonomy. So I wanted to thank you personally. Uh, for doing that. Absolutely. I'm proud to do it. Uh, it's a, a resolution that um, I was proud to co-author with um, with Councilmember Shine, and it continues a legacy of uh, activism in the city. You know, we annually recognize um, the Memorial Day of the Armenian Genocide. I've participated in the marches that have happened mm -hmm. uh, in the region, and I uh, in particular remember um, how many people participated in the 100th anniversary march. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we have to keep um, these issues front and center. Uh, we're now seeing a national conversation, um, which has been long overdue um, on, on this issue. And I think that's the beauty of a place like West Hollywood, where we prioritize human rights. Um, and while we are always dedicated to what's going on in our 1.9 square miles, it's essential that we use our platform to speak up and speak out about the issues that we see. And I'm glad that our city chose to use our platform to speak out on this issue. Absolutely, absolutely. We'll talk about your what promises to be the next great chapter in your career. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with West Hollywood Mayor Lindsay Horvath. You know, you have been a beloved council member and a mayor, not just a one-time mayor of this city. You've worked very hard to create jobs, expand public transportation, um, safety has been a huge issue for you, housing shortages, and, and so much more. And you are definitely a champion for LGBTQ rights, women's rights, and social justice, which is very rare. Modesty side, what are some of the highlights of your accomplishments in the last six years, at least, since your re-election? Um, wow, that's uh, very kind of you to say. Um, I think one of the things I've been most passionate about um, is really uh, connecting our city to the broader region through um, through rail and transportation infrastructure. And, um, you know, it's a big job and a, a big task ahead of us to uh, bring the work that we've been doing for many years uh, to reality uh, and to fruition in West Hollywood and connect us um, through the transportation network. Um, and I'm grateful that we now have uh, people at Metro who want to partner with the city and um, and have worked with us very diligently to um, have that, uh, you know, possibility become just very close to being reality for us. And so I think um, 
continuing that work and making sure that it actually happens um, is very important to me. And, and I'm grateful for everyone in the community and the region who has believed in this project because there are so many uh, projects that Metro is considering. And this was one that was considered to be without a champion, but the champion truly was the community who came forward, um, the community that will be served all along the alignment, not just in West Hollywood, um, to say, this is something we really need and you're overlooking this. In fact, it will be the highest ridership of any light rail line in the entire country once it's constructed. And so um, so I think that that project in particular is something I'm very passionate about. I know has a great deal of community support. It's been voted on overwhelmingly multiple times by, by our city uh, residents. And so I'm glad to see um, that's uh, right on the horizon. But, you know, I think the day-to-day -day challenges uh, that people face, that's really what people look to their local government leaders for. And especially, um, you know, when I ran for re-election in 2019, I had no idea that a global health pandemic was uh, going to be in our future, that it was going to be something I would be uh, tasked with as a mayor. Um, and as you know, our, our structure of government is a part of, considered to be a part-time city council. But, um, but as a mayor during a global health pandemic, it became full-time and then some because we just care for one another in West Hollywood. So I'm proud that we had a program in place to provide renters with rental assistance to uh, keep them from slipping into um, homelessness. I'm glad that we partnered with organizations like Project Angel Food to have home food delivery to uh, not only folks who had um, certain illnesses um, or were facing uh, certain types of health challenges, but even to uh, seniors who were very much encouraged to stay home and stay isolated during this time, uh, we were able to deliver food to them and make sure that um, they didn't go without um, as they were being asked to stay home. Um, <clears throat> I'm proud of the ways that, as a city council, uh, we're uh, really digging into what our culture is in our community. And I'm proud also that Councilmember Shine uh, uh, asked me to work with her in creating uh, the Social Justice Task Force, which has now been appointed in the city. And we'll tackle um, true issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion in our city, looking at it from all aspects. Um, from uh, We have members of the task force who are residents, uh, folks who work here, uh, folks who have connection to the community, and um, I'm eager to see what um, the recommendations and um, conversations that we will have um, coming out of their work. I'm very excited. We just swore them in um, actually on the anniversary of George Floyd's murder, and, um, and so I know that there will be very important conversations that will um, help us advance um, as, as a community. Um, even more than we already have. And so uh, um, I think there's a lot that we can look to in the city. Um, and uh, just this weekend, we uh, broke ground on the AIDS monument, which will be a, an important part of uh, the reopening of our West Hollywood Park, hopefully later this year, and um, the work that has been done by uh, past council, uh, by uh, leadership in the city, but uh, especially by the FAM board uh, to make that monument possible, I think is absolutely extraordinary. And I'm just so proud of the ways that we think of honoring
gathering people in our community, making physical space uh, open to everyone, um, and you know, space that holds memory and has possibility for our future. And that goes from everything uh, from the monument to the public space that will exist in our new West Hollywood Park, um, to the ways we're thinking about welcoming people into the city at our gateways, um, and you know, everything in between. And so there's. Um, there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of promise in the city of West Hollywood. I'm, I'm ever the optimist that we, uh, we have uh, a lot of, uh, a lot to be proud of in the city, but we also have a lot of work to do. And, um, and I'm, I'm optimistic because the people who are doing it, the people who are part of our community are what make um, our progress possible. Wow. That's uh, a, <laughs> that was brilliant. And uh, I was smiling when you said, we're considered a, a part-time uh, city council because I know how many hours you all work and um, there's no way to be a part-time city council in West Hollywood. It's true, but you know, we, I mean, it's the form of government that uh, the residents chose when we incorporated as a city and um, it's, it's pretty common throughout the state of California, but you really have to want to do this job uh, when you sign up to do it because yeah. it's not just about, you know, photo ops and, and titles. Um, it's, uh, it's really about um, being present in community and doing work. Absolutely. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with West Hollywood Mayor Lindsay Horvath. You mentioned the, the Eighth Monument, which so apropos that it would break ground on the 40th anniversary when HIV and AIDS were finally sort of a name was given to them, although it'd been found for some time. It's been 40 years, and um, I'm sure that will be another great addition to the legacy of West Hollywood. In, case, in fact, when I speak to people about West Hollywood, especially to those that don't live in California and in overseas and such, and you know, I was explaining the significance of West Hollywood recognizing Artsakh, and I said it's not just another city because you know, a lot of cities in France and Italy recognized it, um, and uh, and and other cities across the U.S. and states, but. I said, the, the reason West Hollywood is so significant because the world looks at West Hollywood. It sets an example from LGBTQ to uh, being the first city to um, ban the sale of fur, um, one-time use plastic, and so on and so forth. It's a, it's a groundbreaker. It's a trailblazer. And it sets an example for other states, cities, and, and even nations to follow. So that's uh, that was a big deal. And um, which brings me to the next thing. It says Pride Month, June. And, uh, yes. of course, West Hollywood Pride is legendary and um, brings a lot of people. But, unfortunately, last year um, it had to be uh, virtual because of COVID. And this year we're still not completely out of the woods. And a lot of that has been... Uh, sort of modified and um, some of it is going to be virtual but I want to ask you because a lot of people are you know sort of wondering what's what's happening with pride this year in West Hollywood absolutely so every year as you know we um we have uh, One City, One Pride, uh, 40 days of cultural celebration um, of LGBTQ artists and culture um, in our city. And it starts on Harvey Milk Day on May 22nd, all the way through the end of June. And um, 
you know, this year we have already celebrated the 30th anniversary of the Abbey, um, 10 years of Born This Way uh, with Lady Gaga in the city. Um, but we have uh, so many virtual events that allow local artists and um, thought leaders uh, to engage in discussion and dialogue. Um, we have opportunity for each of those conversations to highlight all of the LGBTQ plus family. And we um, are very proud of, of this uh, way in which our community creates space for all voices uh, during Pride Month. And so um, we it's a tradition that we um, have had for several years now, and we're continuing this year. But we also know that people really want to be around each other, especially after a year of being apart. And we knew, uh, we had heard that, um, you know, when we first made the decision about Pride at the beginning of the year, we really didn't know where we were going to be in June. Um, and so now um, as the June 15th date was sort of put out there um, as the time when things might start to reopen um, fully, we uh, ha recently had discussion and, and uh, through the engagement of our business community focus are, are focusing the last weekend of June uh, to celebrate pride in West Hollywood. And um, many businesses in West Hollywood are creating space and um, creating activities and programming in their spaces for people to come and participate and celebrate Pride. And we certainly want to welcome people back to the city. I see so much on Twitter, people like, I just want to be with my friends in West Hollywood tonight. Mm -hmm. yeah. And guess what? We can do that now. And I think that's so important. We want everyone to feel welcomed back. We want everyone to come and participate and um, we're being very intentional in how we welcome people back into the community, into our businesses. Um, certainly, um, going forward, my hope, um, and obviously we'll have to have this conversation as a full council, but my hope is that we will have, a, you know, a parade and a celebration and all of the things that people um, have typically enjoyed in West Hollywood in person, and that we'll do it in a new way. Um, and we will talk about how all of that will happen, because I know it's very important to folks, and um, and we just love it. I mean, that's so much a, a mm -hmm. part of our, our identity. It's just in the DNA of our city. So I expect that we will have um, all of those kinds of in-person celebrations uh, for Pride Month next year. But the truth is Pride is 365 days a year in West Hollywood. And yes. we want everyone to celebrate who they are, to feel welcomed, to feel safe um, each and every day of the year. And so while we will be very intentional in welcoming people to celebrate um, the last weekend of June, we hope that you'll uh, continue to celebrate and be out and proud in West Hollywood all year long. We're excited to welcome everyone back and, and we want everyone to find a home in West Hollywood. Yeah, that's, that's all good news. And sometimes, you know, not all change is bad and sometimes it, it opens up space for new ideas and new ways of doing things. And you also, you answered part of my next question, which was going to be, you know, pride typically brings a lot of people and a lot of business to the community and, and business owners and such. And it sounds like part of your planning for this year is to really help businesses to, to get a little bit of the, the economy into their establishments this year. And are there any Absolutely. concerns about businesses who have lost a lot of business due to lack of pride, like, you know, very big active pride? 
you know, we are welcoming folks back into the businesses and, and we really uh, were intentional um, when the business community stepped up and said they wanted to um, lead what Pride would look like in the city this year, sort of as we're in this moment of transition. You know, that was an easy yes. And um, and so really thinking about how how we can welcome people back and focus them on the businesses that are signature to how we create culture and community in, in West Hollywood. Um, that's very important. We know there's also been discussion about some of the businesses um, and how they've fared during COVID. And we want people to know that uh, West Hollywood is open for business and that we are uh, intentional in uh, especially supporting and welcoming back um to full capacity, our LGBT-focused businesses, um, you know, we we know that there was um, a closure turned uh, likely relocation of Jim Bar. Um, there's the closure of uh, Flaming Saddles. Um, and, you know, there's uh, been some discussion around, you know, what happened there exactly. But we also know that um, that there are businesses that are reopening and uh, while Rage closed, I know Lance Bass and his team at Rocco's um, have now looked at uh, acquiring that space to reopen it. And so we know that there are going to be places uh, in West Hollywood where people um, that are coming back to life in new ways, new businesses that are opening and, um, and will be focused intentionally on creating safe space for our LGBTQ community. And um, so that's, um, part of what pride is, is making sure that uh, people have a livelihood, that they have a job, that they have, uh, that their businesses and the hopes and dreams they invest in those businesses are able to come to life. And um, so we're, we're eager to be supporting those new businesses. I know our staff at City Hall has been thinking, you know, with things like out zones, um, how we can um, support businesses during the time of COVID, but also how we can quickly shift from, um, as you indicated, sort of a, a COVID mindset to uh, reopening and, and helping uh, all of that act business activity continue in the right way um, as we come out of COVID. And um, so there's there's a lot um, there's a lot of potential, um, and I'm eager to see um, how all of the uh, our, our most beloved businesses come back, um, how to, how we see new businesses choose West Hollywood. Um, I know that we just opened recently uh, a new coffee shop on the east side, and it, it has this very cool, um, like, uh, French, like, mini bus kind of thing inside um, a building, and they are, uh, not only are they... Uh, focused on you know the quality of their coffee and their the um what the food products that they serve but they're also intentionally partnering with the la lgbt center um, for this month of pride and creating community connection and um, featuring uh, works of makers there for sale um, to help um, give people visibility who are of the community and i just think that kind of local thinking mindset is really uh, what we want to celebrate and um, and I'm excited about businesses that are really coming into West Hollywood with an intentional uh, purpose of building community here not just opening uh, not just opening their doors for business which is important but really thinking about how they're also welcoming community into their businesses and I'm excited about that yeah that's good news and it's uh, great news that we're at the tail end of this COVID and uh, starting to rebuild 
our economy and rebuilt all that was lost or at least uh, affected. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with West Hollywood Mayor Lindsay Horvath. Brings me to the next question, which is a little bit of a sort of forward thinking. You are running for L.A. County Board of Supervisors from the 3rd District uh, in the election that's next year. And the seat is currently held by, uh, excuse me, uh, Supervisor Sheila Kuehl, who is not seeking another term. So, yeah. So what are your plans um, for if you get elected? Uh, looking forward to some of the some of the things that you're thinking about in terms of the board of supervisors. Well, it's really to be a, uh, it's really an honor to be in this race and uh, to have the support of uh, someone um, who's been such a champion for generations of folks um, in in Sheila Kuehl. She uh, has endorsed me uh, for her seat, which um, is such an honor. But just looking at her legacy of work, I want to continue and build upon what she has been able to do um, in her many years of service. And uh, so you, you'll not be surprised to hear, uh, obviously, um, I'm focusing a lot on homelessness mm-hmm. and and housing, uh, thinking about how we build out our transportation network um, uh, from a regional perspective, um, thinking about COVID recovery, um, how we get businesses back up and running, but also um, how we get people back uh, to work and creating a recovery that includes everyone. Um, We know that uh, this is a really unique moment in the county um, to to rebuild, um, as I mentioned, same for West Hollywood as for the region, you know, we're not just rebuilding from COVID-19, we're rebuilding from what was broken before it. And, um, you know, I learned recently as I was uh, serving as president of California Contract Cities Association, not only um, did I know the challenges I was facing in West Hollywood as mayor um, and and from the local level, but... um, but I also got to work with over 70 cities um, throughout Southern California, many of whom contract for service with LA County for sheriff, for fire, for public works, and any number of services. And I got to see what is and isn't working for um, for cities throughout um, Southern California and throughout Los Angeles County. And um, many of those cities, their leaders um, have endorsed me and are partnering with me in this effort because we need to make sure that LA County's services are actually being delivered to people who they're intended for. And um, so for me, it's it's about making sure that the promises that happen at the county level actually are acted upon and people can see them manifest in their community, that we're not just sort of funding work um, that we talk about but never really see come to fruition. I think people feel they've taxed themselves in any number of ways. They voted for the people, they've supported the laws, and now it's just time to deliver. They want to see results. And and I'm the kind of person who uh, wants to roll up my sleeves and do the work. Um, I want to build a, a coalition and build bridges um, among different kinds of thinkers throughout the district um, so we can serve uh, the many diverse needs that exist uh, in all parts of the district. And I'm already reaching out to local leaders to speak with them about what's going on in their neighborhoods Um whether it's, you know, in the East Valley talking with um, Latino families about um, environmental justice and environmental quality issues or public safety issues, 
whether it's speaking with um, folks in, in the Jewish community in and around West Hollywood and Beverly Hills and West LA about uh, incidents of anti-Semitism that have uh, certainly been not only making headlines, but um, striking fear into the hearts of people who have lived here for so uh, for generations. Um, you know, we just have to do better and we really need to connect with people on a visceral and personal level um, in, in terms of the work that's being done. And there's also a unique opportunity in the county as we're looking at uh, public safety and what community safety really means and can look like. And I think, um, you know, there's uh, a lot of uh, aspiration in terms of uh, the goals of the ATI plan, but um, the difference is going to be made in how it gets implemented. And we need to uh, engage community organizations in the work of helping keep people safe and cared for. That is the promise of LA County, and that's, uh, that's what I want to deliver on in my service. Well, an endorsement this early on from Sheila Kuehl, I couldn't uh, imagine anything more more important and uh, pivotal. Um, so that's 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 great. Um, congrats and uh, good luck to you on that. Um, Thank you very much. And we're we're building a. a team of support, you know, from grassroots leaders like uh, Ulysses Hernandez, um, who has been a powerhouse in terms of really talking about what justice really looks like, um, to, you know, any number of elected officials like Mayor Asia Brown, who um, herself has spoken truth to power and used her power and her platform to make uh, transformational change, um, you know, to... Uh, Mayor Robert Garcia in Long Beach, mm -hmm. who um, has, you know, been in many ways uh, the face of recovery from COVID, um, using his platform and the health department in Long Beach to take care of people. You know, he lost both his mother and, uh, and, uh, and stepfather in, to COVID during this time. She was a frontline worker, and um, to face that unimaginable pain and loss and still continue to fight for your constituents. I just, yeah. I really respect Robert and, and I'm grateful to have his experience, his partnership. I mean, there are so many people who are joining our team. It's very exciting. And um, I could talk about mm -hmm. it for hours, but um, I'm, I'm excited most importantly for um, everyone to join in and, and see who's part of our team and to see themselves in mm -hmm. our team, because um, it's going to take all of us um, saying that we deserve this seat at the table. Um, in order to make that difference. And I will be the only renter. I will be mm -hmm. the only millennial. I'll be the only person who's facing paying back student debt, which I think is mm -hmm. an issue that people are talking about around their kitchen table. And I think it's that kind of stuff that people yeah. are really going to want to hear about. You know, what are you going to do for me in practical terms in this seat? And, and yeah. I'm eager to talk about those issues. Well, and we're excited to have you in, in this race. And, and we'll certainly follow you and see what the developments are. I know that I will um, be looking for everything that goes on from now till election next year. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with West Hollywood Mayor Lindsay Horvath. I want to ask you a couple of uh, fun questions. And one of it, for, for those that don't know West Hollywood or they think they do, will you tell us just like one thing maybe that most people don't know about West Hollywood, something interesting perhaps? Oh my gosh. <clears throat> well, one thing, um, 
one thing I like to talk about is that the city was actually uh, founded by a very unique coalition of activists um, uh, motivated by the threat of losing housing that's affordable. And hmm. they came together to create um, a, a rent control policy, a rent stabilization, uh, which eventually became our rent stabilization ordinance to protect their affordable housing and to stabilize rents in West Hollywood to make it affordable to live here. And I think it's uh, one of the only cities in the country and definitely the first to do that. Um, and, you know, it was a coalition of folks um, in partnership with the Coalition for Economic Survival and so many other organizations uh, who really um, put West Hollywood on the path um, to becoming a city. And in fact, when the city was incorporated in 1984, it wasn't, it there had been other attempts to incorporate that didn't pass at the ballot box. Mm -hmm. So um, this was actually, I believe, the third um, attempt uh, that finally was successful. They say third time's a charm, and I think mm -hmm. in this case they were right. You know, it created the possibility of the city where now I get to, I, I get to proudly call my home and we get to proudly call West Hollywood. Um, and so there's a, a really unique and rich history that it exists in the city of West Hollywood. And I've uh, been proud to partner with, um, I partner on a project called WeHo Stories, which is a collection mm -hmm. of first person narrative um, stories told by people who really helped make the city what it is today uh, from the founding, um, from bringing in uh, different uh, constituencies and populations in the city and, and really uplifting voices in the community to help make us who we are. And so um, I encourage people to really know the history that has existed in West Hollywood um, and, and to build upon it and to make our future uh, look like the future that includes you and what you want your community to look like. And so um, it's an exciting mm -hmm. project to be a part of. And it's also been really rewarding to see who has stepped up to become a part of that project because um, hopefully we'll be able to continue to tell our story and our history in an important way. I like that. That was uh, that was really special uh, talking about the the genesis and the establishment of West Hollywood and that uh, uh, affordable housing was at the center of it all. It's a really yeah, cool thing a, to know. There was a threat to increase rents um, by LA County that um, they were going to pass um, a major rent increase that people were very concerned uh, was going to. Um, displace people and, yeah. and cause it to no longer be affordable. And so um, through uh, rent stabilization ordinance and protections for renters over the years, we've been able to protect a lot of people in our community. In fact, close to 80% of our city is renters. So yeah. um, we, we, you know, I myself am a renter and without rent stabilized housing, I wouldn't be able to afford to live here. So um, yeah. I, I know firsthand uh, what, it, what it can feel like to feel at risk of losing your home if, you know, you're one paycheck away from uh, from falling into homelessness. And so, yeah. uh, you know, those protections are not only important in this moment, but they are at the foundation of why we came to be as a city. Yeah, and I think that's why people really relate to you and admire you because you get it and you, you get it, you live it, you see it, you talk about it. And that's so important. Um, so thank you for that. Now I want to ask you the same question, but about you, <laughs> what's one thing you can share with us, uh, that most people wouldn't know about you that may surprise, uh, surprise them. 
Oh my gosh. Um, what can I say? I feel like so much of my life is lived in public. Um, people often ask, it's not a secret, um, but people who don't know me as well often ask what I do professionally. And, uh-huh. um, and so I, I work in creative advertising for movies and television. Um, I work with a fabulous and phenomenal team of artists and designers who um, make uh, movie posters and billboards and social media campaigns and websites, uh, trailers and TV spots to promote uh, movies, television, and now streaming content. Um, and so uh, sometimes I get to see the work of our artists uh, placed by other companies on their billboards uh, on the Sunset Strip, which is always fun. Um, but I, I get to see, you know, sort of that magic of the entertainment industry in an up-close and personal way. I think it's been good training for me as a public servant because, as you might imagine, uh, people in entertainment are worried about uh, time and money they are worried about you know making sure that things are exactly right and uh, getting things uh, done in the right way and um, a little bit demanding at times and so like I said I think that's been good training for me but um, that it's uh, not everyone knows about that uh, about that work that I do and and in fact we work with um, designers who have uh, won so many awards for the campaigns that we've been able to create over the years so um, that's something I'm particularly proud of but I guess something about me personally hmm what could I tell you? Um, I'm one of two kids. I have a, a younger brother who, uh, with whom I'm very close, and I'm super proud. He is uh, a practicing attorney in Las Vegas. He's a criminal defense attorney there nice. and um, has really built um, a strong career for himself. And, uh, you know, as kids, we used to um, – uh, build forts in our basement with couch cushions and, uh-huh. and little blankets and, you know, do things that normal kids do. Um, we, you know, played in our backyard and played um, sports in the cul-de-sac. We kind of lived in um, what felt like a Disney after special uh, school mm-hmm. kind of, uh, Disney after school special kind of town. Um, but nice. we, uh, we were very lucky in that regard. Um, so uh, I grew up in the Midwest and, and now uh, the pleasure of calling uh, West Hollywood home. And I've lived in California longer than I've lived anywhere in my life. It's definitely become home. And um yeah, there's there's so much mm-hmm. to tell, but um, but hopefully you know I'll I'll be able to continue the conversation with you and with other folks in the community and and uh, yeah. and get to know them too. Thanks for sharing that. That was uh that was cool. I liked hearing about your brother. I didn't know you had siblings. Before we leave, is there a question that I missed that I should have asked you, or would you just like to add something? Oh gee. Um, I guess one thing I'd just like to mention is that um, our staff at City Hall has been absolutely extraordinary during this time, and um, I don't know how many people know it, but we were able, as a city, to keep everyone employed uh, during COVID, and we just redeployed their talents and services in different ways. In fact, you know, so many of our recreational staff, who obviously were not um, serving people at parks when things were fully closed down, 
um, they would spend their time calling older adults and seniors in our city uh, to check in on them to make sure, you know, especially if they were living alone, that somebody was looking after them to make sure their needs were covered and that they were safe. Um, our staff um, stepped up to find new ways to, um, as I mentioned, uh, have food delivered to people's homes, um, to find new ways to keep people in their housing, to, to connect people to housing. Um, so I, I just, um, I guess, want to give a shout out to our staff at City Hall um, who have really been uh, trying to figure out how to work remotely, still deliver practically within the city boundaries for our residents and, you know, figure out how to have uh, some semblance of a personal life while they're, you know, working from home and trying to create space. So um, I just uh, certainly appreciate them and their work. Well, thank you for that, Lindsay. And thank you for um, being on the show, your time. Really, really appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you during this Pride Month and uh, speaking with you again. Thank you so much, Vic. I appreciate it. Nice to speak with you. That was West Hollywood Mayor Lindsay Horvath, who is also running for the LA County Board of Supervisors, uh, 3rd District. Um, the election is going to be next year in 2022. Uh, good luck with that. And uh, thank you for being on The Blunt Post with Vic, uh, Mayor Horvath. And happy Pride. Before we go, I want to thank my extremely talented producer, Ricky Herrera. And, uh, of course, thank you for joining me for another episode of The Blunt Post with Vic. Please tune in next Monday at 7 a.m. for another episode. For more information, you can visit thebluntpostwithvic.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Vic Jarami. Uh, both Instagram and Twitter, my handle is at Vic Jarami. That's V-I-C-G-E-R-A-M-I. The Blunt Post with Vic.